What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, The Sonder Society. Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. In this podcast, we focus on the people behind Instagram, its advantages and disadvantages, and how the future has been shaped around it. I have designed and implemented a platform to share insights with you from a variety of guests of different backgrounds to let you into their life, work, relationships, and experiences. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Sonder Society podcast. I'm your host, Dan Palmer, and today I'm joined by a special guest, TV host of the Calgary Roughnecks and Hitmen, Olivia McDonald. Olivia, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. As always, we're going to share some topics around your childhood and the interesting work that you do currently within sports. And of course, we're going to discuss mental health. Let's start as far back as you can remember. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and your life growing up. So I grew up in Kamloops, BC. Uh, I was raised actually with a pretty normal life. Two parents that are still married to this day and an older brother. Um, Normal house, great backyard, all that kind of stuff. Never really had many pets. Definitely want a dog, so I never had one. <laughs> Is that coming up soon? Oh, uh, it should be. I want a pug. It's very specific. A pug? Yeah, very specific. Interesting. Why, why pug? We're going to take a little sidetrack here. Real quick story. Grade seven, I was sitting in Tofino on the beach, a trip my family always takes, and the back house of the cabin that we stay at, they had a pug and it ran down the beach and they were like, oh my God, our pug's not really nice. I'm so sorry. And it came up and it cuddled me and I was like, That's I want one. one of those. Yep. So to this day, I'm going to get one eventually. Interesting. But yes, grew up in Kamloops, um, grew up playing sports, which I'm sure we'll touch on eventually. Yeah, but definitely. Grew up with a very athletic family. My parents, both athletes. Um, my dad does Ironmans. He's oh, wow. crazy. Uh, my mom's run half marathons, all that kind of stuff. So I was definitely raised the uh, the way of you can't sit inside and watch TV. You got to get outside if it's nice out. So Awesome. Yeah. You, he does Ironman. Like, have you done one? I have not. I've done triathlons. Okay. Um, I will never likely do an Ironman. Okay. I was wondering, my question was going to be, would you ever do one alongside your dad? No, I think my dad's crazy. <laughs> okay. I love him, but he's so crazy for doing it. Like, you see the difference in when he starts a race and he's lost like 10 pounds by the time it's clear. You can see it. Like, it's insane. Really? The amount of salt, like water you lose it's i'm just like no thanks does he like train for we're talking about your dad now yeah. you, but does he like train prior to all this or is he just that natural fit person that just also naturally fit but yeah there's so much training that goes into it and he's he's retired now um so he pretty much just works out every single day he's gonna make fun of me for saying all this but <laughs> yeah he he works out every single day i every time he's like oh i just came back from like a four-hour run it was so chill i'm like what I'd like to think that I'd work out every day if I was, you know, retired, retired. but maybe not. Um, talk to me about the dynamic of your family. Obviously, you said you've got an older brother, I believe. So talk to me about kind of the dynamic. Who were you closer with? Yes. Yeah. Me and my brother uh, have a pretty close relationship. He is he went off to University of Victoria, three years older than me. So we only spent a little bit of time in high school together, um, which I wouldn't say we were close in high school because it was more like you're my older brother. We're going to like butt heads you show up to one party I'm gonna have to leave that party because we can't be at the same party together <laughs> but <laughs> is I'd that say, different now yeah 100 percent um we definitely go out together now which is nice but we haven't been in the same city for so long so he's he went out to UVic um right after high school and then mostly spent his time on the island 
almost lived in Vancouver at the same time, but I left right before he moved out to Vancouver. And then he's in Kamloops right now and he's moving back to Victoria. So he's kind of, we both have moved a lot, but he's more of an island boy. So I never, never really see him that much, but we both grew up um, volleyball, soccer, same kind of sports our whole life. So had a lot of crossover with that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about sports. So obviously the family seems to be very outdoors, but what was your favorite sport kind of when you were growing up and, and playing? I grew up um, a swimmer for the most part um, early in life. That was always my goal. I actually wanted to make the Olympics for swimming. That was always on the list. Um, but it became too much for me. It was nine times a week at such nine a young times age. A week. Yeah, and I was like 13 years old, not even. And so it was just very intense coaches because um, you'd be swimming at 5.30 in the morning which I only went to those practices. The only way they convinced me was that my dad would buy me Tim Hortons breakfast after. <laughs> so I'd eat Tim Hortons breakfast on my way to like school, like elementary school. And so I'd sit there in elementary school and I get my Tim Hortons breakfast while everyone else sits there and without theirs. So, so f- food is the key food to... Food is the key to my heart. Okay, so yes. that's the motivation yeah, that motivation, it requires. Yeah, 100%. But swimming definitely got me into my sports, I would say. I was a dancer a little bit before that, but I wouldn't really consider myself a dancer. I'm actually pretty bad at dancing. My friend's tell me that I dance like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> so um, yeah, swimming was the main one. And then once I got into high school, I had to drop swimming because if I wanted to play other sports, I couldn't swim. Um, so I started playing volleyball, soccer, basketball, track and field, stint with the tennis team. I was kind of all over the map, but volleyball and soccer kind of became my two main ones. Eventually volleyball became the main sport it took over. So I dropped soccer and basketball Um by grade 12 and kind of just stuck with volleyball and focused on that one. Is, is volleyball your favorite sport now or was it just through your childhood? That's something that you played and you enjoyed playing it at the time. Yeah, I, it became a favorite very fast. I enjoyed it a lot. And my main friend group was my volleyball group. So I spent a lot of time with them. And then once I finished high school, I just realized that my career was a bit more important than volleyball. And I decided to kind of give that up. And now I only play soccer, which is funny, but I kind of switched. Do so you, you still play soccer? Yeah, but I just, not like full time because of my job. So sure. I kind of sub in with teams whenever they need me, but I enjoy it. I'm not amazing at it by any means, but I, I like the physical activity side of it as well as the social aspect of it. I know we'll get into your job, but I want to know right now, what's your favorite sport? To play or to watch? To watch. To watch hockey. Hockey? Yeah. Okay, nice. Very, very much my favorite sport right and now. And then to play soccer, is that? Yeah, I'd probably go soccer. Okay, sweet. Let's talk about kind of your education journey as you've grown up, obviously different schools potentially, but talk to me about that. I know you did journalism, but talk to me about the journey that you took there through your education. Yeah, I well, I can even start with in like, when you start deciding what you want to do with your life in high school, probably one of the hardest things you'll have to do. And that's one of the things that I always touch back on when people ask me for advice, which... I feel like I'm not in a place to give advice did, did yet. You str- did you struggle deciding then? Yeah, I did. I honestly did. I didn't know what to do. I originally actually wanted to go into like fashion. I really enjoyed like sewing and that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not very good at drawing. And when they asked for a portfolio, I was like, ah, I probably won't do that. Same with interior design. Kind of went that way for a little bit. Decided between those. But then I still remember the day of like sitting in my room, trying to decide what to do. My mom came to me and she was like, This is the best piece of advice I've ever been given. And she said, one thing that I was told when I was younger, trying to decide what to do, her dad told her, well, what do you do as like a hobby that you really enjoy? So like when you're not at school, when you're not playing sports, 
what are you doing? And for me, I, I would sit on my MacBook and just edit videos like all day, every day. And so if it was my basketball team, if we had gone on a tournament that weekend, I had taken photos and I made a video out of all the photos I had taken or put funny videos together. I made like the Harlem Shake videos for our teams that we would do, the stupid videos that would go on YouTube. So I spent all my time doing that and I was like, okay, well, I just edit videos all day. She's like, okay, make a career out of that. If you enjoy it, why wouldn't you just spend your time doing that? And I was like, okay. Is that why you're a TikTok star right now? <laughs> star is such an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And then I actually, like, I just enjoy... It's so stupid, but I enjoy make, putting videos together, like the long edit ones, like they're so fun. And so I started doing that. Then I actually met a girl who did the program at MRU here um, for broadcast journalism. And I met her in Kamloops and she kind of told, she was dating a friend of mine and she was telling me all about it. And I was like, this is perfect. First of all, the legal drinking age in Alberta was 18 and I was turning 18. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I could go to school in Alberta. Okay, sure. And I wanted to leave my hometown. So that was kind of a goal of mine. I didn't want to stay. TRU was just not an option in my head. Didn't really want to stay in BC in general. I just kind of wanted to be in a different place. Was this something that motivated you to want to leave? I don't know. And I, to this day, like from a very young age, I always wanted to move a lot. And I always tried to tell my parents, like I wanted to move houses. I wanted to like have a new room. I wanted to move. And that was always in my head for some reason. So I think moving was a big thing. I don't know why getting away so far was such a big deal to me. I originally wanted to go to school on the island uh, to Nanaimo, but their broadcast journalism program um, is more theory work, and that's just not how I learned. So I was like, I probably won't do that. But anyways, I spoke to this girl, and she kind of ran me through it, and I looked at my mom, and I was like, that's perfect. That's, that's a program I want to do. And she said there was also one at SATE in uh, Calgary. So I applied to both of them got into MRU and I was like, camp sold, signed up, did all the, you have to go through a bit of an interview process to get in. Um, that went really well and got into the program, came here in 2014, September and started the program at MRU. And I loved every second of it. Like, and I'm not somebody who enjoys school. I enjoyed every second of that program. Tell me a bit about the program, because obviously it has gradually got you to where you are today. But what kind of value did you find in in doing that course? One thing was, is that it's very hands on. Like it's it's so different than any other program you would. Well, not any other program you would take, but you're not taking an English class. You're not sitting there and writing essays or um, multiple choice quizzes like you are going into class and you're learning how to hook up a camera to different things and you're learning how to speak into a microphone. You're learning how to uh, tweet was one of my classes. Like you learn how to do so many hands-on things and every Friday you would um, do a television show. So you'd set up, you each get a different position on the television so show. You'd be the reporter, you'd be the anchor, you'd be the producer, whatever it was. You kind of get to see every aspect of a television show. You also ran your own radio show once a week. So I was Saturday, six till eight. And you get to play whatever music you want, talk about whatever you want. And the teachers would listen to your show every once in a while and kind of give you marks based on that. Your final exams would be standing in front of a class talking about something if that's what you would choose. Because you can also break off into a bit more behind the scenes or you can decide to be in front of the scenes. You can do more creative stuff. So you're writing commercials. They kind of give you all the avenues of what you can do which is awesome. I originally went into it for video editing and then I did on camera stuff and I was like, okay, I really like this. What, what did, I was going to ask, I, I thought that would be the case, but what 
kind of pushed you towards that? Was it yourself? Did someone else in your class kind of motivate you to push that way? Because I think sometimes people can see how good people are, for example, on camera or a mic and say, go and give that a go, go and do this. And they can kind of push you into a, probably not a natural space that you thought you were going to go into. And then you become passionate about it. What, what was the transition like there? Yeah. And it's funny. You even asked me like, oh, you've heard your voice before. And I was like, <laughs> the first thing they do in broadcasting is they put you in front of a microphone, record your voice and you all stand in a room and they make you listen to it. And everybody cringes when they hear their voice for the first time. Nobody. Well, like you said, some people, not many people like their voice the first time they hear it. Um, but for me, it was kind of just a, the first time I got to do on camera work. I was like, okay, this gives me such an adrenaline rush. And it's something that I want to improve on because I was not very good when I started. And it was also something, it was in the back of my mind when I went into the program because from a young age, I was that kid. And this sounds like I'm making this up, but I would do interviews with my friends. Like I would put on fake TV shows. It was called The O Show. And I would have guests come to my show and I would interview them. Like I wanted to be like Oprah Winfrey. Like that was my goal in life. And so my parents were like, okay, you love the video stuff. Plus this is what you've been like from a very young age. I've been a drama queen. I've been trying to be the center of attention as a child. And so it was like, once I actually got to practice it and get good at it and seeing other people do it and other people that are really good at it, like watching Ivanka Osmak and like all these TV hosts that I look up to, Caroline Cameron, I'm just like, that's so cool. That's what I want to do. So I got to go to, sorry, I go so off topic. I no, just go on good. tangents. Go with it. I, I, you got me at the O show. We're, okay, bring, right. we're bringing that back. <laughs> Perfect. You can rename it if you want. You can call <laughs> this O show. Um, I in university got to go and watch Ivanka Osmak and Ken Reed from Sportsnet give a talk in Edmonton. They went to Nate to their broadcasting program and me and another guy from my program decided to go up and check it out. And it was awesome. And we just got to listen to them give advice. And they actually watched us on camera giving presentations and kind of gave us feedback, which was really, really cool. And I felt like I did relatively well with it and having a long conversation with Ivanka just about being a woman in sports and being on camera. She gave me so much advice that I was kind of like, okay, like I can do this. And so I look up to her a lot. She's definitely one of my idols. And so I'm like, I watch and I critique myself based on people on television all the time. And so, yeah, just in the program, it was like a fire under me just being like, okay, I can do this. I love your journey because I think a lot of people will relate that you didn't necessarily know exactly what you wanted to do, but then eventually you started to learn, you got that fire and you started to to become passionate. And I think your parents, it sounded like they helped a lot to kind of piece things together. And that's hard when you're growing up to think, what's my career going to be? So I love that story there. I know you mentioned you moved around quite a lot. Do you want to just walk me through a bit about like all the different places that you've lived, where you moved to. Later on, we'll kind of discuss, I know, traveling with with work, obviously, but let's talk about kind of the places that you've moved to. Yeah, it's one of the things I feel like my friends make fun of me a lot for because it was almost on the year every year I would move. So moved from Kamloops to go to university in Calgary, obviously, um, back and forth for the two years of the program. Um, I took off to do traveling for six months, I don't know if it really counts as a move, but I left. I fully had packed up, left Calgary, moved all my stuff back to Kamloops, and then I went traveling for six months, came back, decided I missed Calgary, came back Where to Calgary. Where did you travel? I did Australia, Bali, and Thailand for Amazing. backpacking. And what it did was you, awesome. Yeah, you enjoyed that? I really, really liked it. Yeah. Six months, if I'm being honest, was a little too long. 
Really? Yeah, which is crazy. Right, okay. For me personally, because I'm someone who loves routine. I love like, and this is the funniest thing, but being in Thailand and Bali to end my trip for three months. Yeah, I guess it was three months. um, I missed grocery stores so much that when I came back to Canada, I would just go stand in a grocery store. <laughs> like I would do all the grocery shopping. Cause I was like, I wonder who that weird young girl was <laughs> stood in the grocery store. Like who is she? Yeah. But I just like it, they don't have like, at least where I was like big superstores or save on foods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was so nice to be in like air conditioning and you can just pick up the foods that you know. Like I realized how routined I am in my life. Like, I love getting up and doing my workout and then making my own dinners and doing all that stuff and having a place to shower and have my bed and stuff and staying instead of staying in an $8 hostel, like <laughs> yeah. where there's a rat the under your bed. Like it's just, yeah. So it's a good, it's a humbling experience though. Extremely. Doing that. And then you, you, you can identify what you value, right? I'm, I'm the same, especially when I go back to England, I want to go to the stores because they're different and the food's a little bit different. So I'm like, oh, this is so good. But anyway, we're getting on a tangent there. <laughs> so you went there and then you moved, but take it away again. Yes. Yeah, so then I went back to Calgary because I was like, after traveling six, six months, I was kind of like, okay, I want to get my career started. I had um, finished school by that point. I had done an internship in Lethbridge for a month. So I lived in Lethbridge for a month, sorry, before I traveled. Um, moved to Lethbridge and then did an internship at CTV and I honestly didn't put enough effort into that internship because I was had a flight booked to Australia. So I was like not focused on it and it was news, but I got to do a lot of cool stuff with it anyways. Do you regret not like now you're saying you didn't put enough into it. Do you regret it now looking back? Um, to a degree. I'm also kind of like, I don't blame myself. I get it. I was excited to go off and start my next journey. Um, and now looking back, it's kind of funny because it was a news-based internship. And once I started working news, which we'll get to, I realized how much I didn't like news. So I also get that that's probably why that all kind of happened. Um, but yeah, so did that in Lethbridge, traveled, came back to Calgary, decided I wanted to like get things going. Um, so I got a job. I worked at the Calgary Tower for a while as a bartender um, and a server. That was fun. And then decided that wasn't the place I wanted to be serving. So I got a job at Earl's downtown at Bankers Hall in Calgary, for those who know where that is, um, as well as I got a part-time job at Chorus Entertainment. So they do Country 105, 770 News. They're attached to Global. They do a lot of like really cool stuff. So I did a lot of promotion activations for them. Then I ended up kind of helping them with all their social media stuff um, for a while, which was awesome. My boss was really great at that spot. Um, so she really let me like take on a bigger role with it, even though I was part-time. Um, so I was balancing just those two jobs for quite a while in Calgary. And then I decided, I was like, okay, this isn't enough. Like I need more experience. I want to like actually have a career. So I started applying to jobs absolutely everywhere. Like I probably put in 50 different resumes and maybe heard back from like three places for interviews. So did, you, did you not care where you went? No. Like you applied all over the place and you yeah. didn't care at the time. It may have had to do with the fact that I liked a boy that didn't like me back. <laughs> oh, that's getting clipped. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was also at the point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to do me and like start my broadcasting career. And so I was just like, I'll go literally anywhere. It was perfect timing. Like my lease was up. My roommate was awesome at the time. She was kind of like, go off, do whatever you have to do. Like, I'll figure out a roommate situation. 
Um, so then I ended up getting a job in Prince George as the fun chaser. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll get into your work here, but tell me before that, what you've moved so many times, you've traveled quite a lot, but what always brought you back to Calgary? Yeah. Okay. So to finish that up quickly, I went Prince George and then I left Prince George. I was back in Kamloops for a little bit. Then I went back to Calgary for a summer, left Calgary, went to Vancouver for two years, left Vancouver and came back to Calgary. And I don't know what keeps bringing me back to Calgary. When I was in Prince George for like the fourth time moving back here, I was like, I missed Calgary so much. And just like my friends here and the opportunity that Calgary gave me, like there were so many job opportunities and stuff that I was like, okay, that's kind of where I'm meant to be. It was also affordable. I was comfortable there. Like this just kind of felt like home. Um, and then once I was in Calgary again, before I moved to Vancouver, at that point, I was just like so uncertain in my life. And so getting a job in Vancouver just ended up being perfect. And then the reason I moved back from Vancouver was just, it was the job. Like at that point, I just wanted to be back working in sports because of COVID. So I was like, I'll take what I can get. And I'll move where I got to move, even though I do miss Vancouver, but. And is you, your family's not here, right? No, they're still in so, Kamloops. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's get into your work. I know this is going to be an interesting topic, especially the journey. I know you talked about it a little bit there and I think people will, like to hear that you know they see where you're at now but there's a lot of um the journey that you've experienced going through that so you worked at ckpg tv in prince george as a news reporter i know you were talking about that do you want to just share a bit of the insight in, into your experience there specifically yeah that was an interesting one that one i give a lot of credit to that definitely built my career i would say like it was and one of my biggest pieces of advice for anybody in especially broadcasting and it can apply to other areas but um, be willing to move to a small town. They will ingrain that in your brain in university and they will tell you a hundred times, I'll say move to a small town. And I looked them dead in the eye and said, no, I'm going to TSN, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't happen. But <laughs> it's, it is the best place to start your career because they will give you so much opportunity. There's so much room to mess up. Um, there's less people in those small towns. There's less people willing to move to those small towns. So if you're willing to do it, you're going to get a really good job and you're going to get a really good experience. Um, the experience, the job that I got was awesome. As I moved up, I picked up a different job. We can get into that, but I didn't end up loving what I was doing up there. But looking back, I have no regrets going up there. With it being a small town, what was that experience? Aside from the work, how did it feel being in that environment? It, it's very isolating. It's a very, Prince George is very isolated up north. It's six hour drive from my hometown Kamloops. It's 10 hour drive from Vancouver. There's other little communities around it and stuff for sure, but it's, it's quite isolated up there. Um, I liked it. I think because being raised in Kamloops, it was very similar that way. Um, definitely not for me. I had a really, I honestly would not have survived up there if it wasn't for a couple good friends that I made up there um, who really just like took me under their wing. Like every time I'd have a bad day, they were the ones to like, bring me a bottle of wine and like watch the bachelor with me so that I could just like wind down. And if I was hungover. I'd just go over to their house and hang out. Like we just, because of like this little core group that I built, I survived up there. If I didn't have them, there's no chance I would have lasted that long up there. Was this the role they called you the fun chaser? Was it this role? Or so was this the next role? That was the next role, but okay. fun chaser was my original. So do you want to know a little bit about that one? Yeah. Talk, talk, talk <laughs> to us about that. Let's get into that. So the role is called the fun chaser. I drove a vehicle that literally said fun chaser across the car. It's like this colorful Jeep. 
um, it's an event reporter is what it is. And so initially what I did, it was actually a part-time job going up there, but they tried to give me enough hours so that I could just do that. Um, essentially you drive around town, you pick your events during the week of what's going on in the city. So I would look at like different websites, look at social media, find out what's going on in Prince George. And then I would drive the fun chaser vehicle out to these events. I would do live hits on the radio every hour ish from each event that I would do like four events a day, probably do a live hit on the radio. Um, so I would call in and do that. And then I would do all the social media for the posts. I would also kind of be a photographer for it. So I'd go and take photos at the events. I would have little posters that I'd bring out. So people would hold like the fun chaser sign or like our radio stations were like the river. So they'd hold like the river sign and like it was promotion for our station essentially, but also promotion for the events going on. Um, so it was really fun and it was really cool because I got, I was quite well known within the community quite fast because you're at everything. Like I was at like, you name it, your kid's birthday. I was probably there. Like there's just so many, I went to this like cut painting thing and it turned out to be some girl's birthday. And so I just sat there and like hung out with them. Like it was just the most random events ever. But even my boss, when I first got there, was like, you're going to become quite well known. And I was like, okay, I'm the fun chaser. I'm not going to be that well known. But like that community takes you in, yeah. which was one really big positive about that place is like the amount of like family dinners I got invited to was ridiculous. Everyone's so kind up there and so welcoming. So that was the perfect job, like going into Prince George. I think especially in kind of the junior days, that's such a nice way to ease into it. Yes. You like to be the center of attention. Yeah, you could probably say that. <laughs> there you go. We'll <laughs> leave that one at that, but there you go. So uh, you transitioned then, I believe, into the Vancouver Canucks role. Is that correct? So, that? yeah. So I moved back to Calgary. So after the Fun Chaser, I moved up as a anchor and reporter in Prince George and did the local news for a while up so there. So you, you told me at the beginning that you didn't like news and you found out you didn't like that. Tell me about that challenge. Yeah, that one, It that was a challenging job. I... A, a position opened up in the newsroom. Um, so as I was a fun chaser, I had applied for it. I genuinely had to like convince the news director that he should hire me. Like I went in there, I wrote him a list. I should find it. I wrote a list of 10 things, 10 reasons why you should hire Olivia McDonald. And it was like all these different reasons of like, I'll shout you out when I'm on TSN, all like stupid, funny reasons. And like my boss was like, not really a funny guy. He was very serious. And so I wrote him this like long, funny list. It was attached to the back of my resume. And he was like, oh, my God. He's like, you're so ridiculous. But like, okay. <laughs> I bet that, worked. that was Yeah, amazing, like I though. think it like worked. Yeah. And I luckily before that had gone to him a few times and like at, on my own as the fun chaser had gone out to events and like videotaped them and kind of made news stories out of the events just for my own sake and then brought it to him and got him to critique them before I even got the job. So I was like, he already knew I was like interested in that kind of role. Um so then he hired me. I was lucky enough to get the job. I I had a tough experience in it because day one on the job, I never got taught how to do it. I like got sent out to a shoot right away on my first day and it was kind of like, okay, go do it. And I was like, okay. Do you, do you typically get taught though? Was that something that you were expecting but didn't know that you didn't? Or was it just the type of company threw you in the deep end and said, you're going to sink or swim? It was a sink or swim. Okay. Typically, you would get shadow days or you would be taught um, genuinely like what to do. Like I had no idea, but because I'd come in and I came in hot and I was like, hey, I have a story idea. They're like, okay, hey, go do it. And I was like, okay, maybe I did this to myself. But it was also like, 
Then the second day I was like, if I messed up, he was like, okay, well, why'd you mess up? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you think that was, I mean, it was a small town community. Do you think that maybe it's that? It's not a massive corporation where they probably have direction, a lot more team members there. Do you think it was, you just got to figure it out and a lot of people were like that? Or do you think you really created that for yourself? You really started it off by that 10 list. Maybe a, li- maybe a little bit of both. Maybe I came in a little hot, but it was also, I had, I had a tough um, boss at this place. He, he was really, really hard on me and it, it, it was a rough, I honestly, like, I left the job because of him. Like, he, he was a tough one to work with. And he, and we knew, I knew that going in because he's, he wants people to succeed. I mean, at least that's what he gives off. And it didn't work with me. His way of teaching so that, didn't work that was definitely me. the nice way of saying it. Yeah, that's the nice way of saying it. What, what, did that just cause you complete frustration or was it really a difficult time for, to, for that person to work with you? Yeah, it was not even frustration. It was, it knocked my confidence down. Like right. it was like, it was a constant, like you're not doing well enough. Negativity. And so it was, yeah, very negative. It was very like the old way of doing things, the way he ran um, the station. We ended up getting a different boss halfway through my time there um, who ran things a little bit differently, but it was still kind of the same idea. And so like my, like by the end of it, I was like, I don't belong in broadcasting. Like I essentially like told my parents, like, I was like, I'm not good at this. It's not what I should be doing. Like I'm so bad at it, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, no, it's literally like, you can't see it cause you're in it, but it's like yeah. the way you're being treated. You're doing a really good job. Like we won awards for like some of the stories we did. And like, we, did a really good job and I go back and I look at some of the stuff I did I'm like okay I was actually pretty good at it but when you have someone that doesn't believe in you and he would kind of like for instance like knock you down and then be like oh I'm doing it because I believe in you but at the same time you're like you didn't believe in me so it was it was it was a tough experience but it definitely like it made me feel stronger about myself now because I'm like okay the fact that I made it through that I can I'm good. Like I can make it through just about anything. Yeah. I think, I mean, if someone knocks your confidence, it is hard to see what you're good at because you are relying on the people that potentially have more experience to, you know, give you that confidence as well. But that's interesting because it obviously did lead you to, to a different path. So talk to me about kind of the next journey. Yeah. It's, it honestly, so it pushed me to a point where I ended up quitting that job without having another job lined up, which scared the life out of me. And I got questioned a lot for it because when I quit, every single person that would talk to me would be like, so what, what did you get? What job did you get? Who questioned you? Every single person I worked with. Okay. So these weren't friends. These were just colleagues. Yeah. Colleagues. Yeah. My friends were like full support, but like colleagues were like, okay, so what's next? How did that feel? Terrible. Just awful. Cause it was like, I quit because I was like, so, run down and I was like that's and we can get into the whole mental mental health side of it after but it's like I was so worn out that I was like I can't do this anymore and so then I yeah left with nothing lined up I had nothing going and I was like I was pretty torn up about that because that's it's hard on your going from being on the news which my friends like thought was so cool and it's like oh my god you're on tv every day blah 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 but then it's like okay but I was hating my life and then to quit and have nothing lined up. I just felt rock bottom. Cause I was like, okay, now it's time to reset because I have nothing going for me. I'm now. So I moved back to Kamloops for a little bit, just for like a month to like figure out what I was going to do. 
then I got a job. I went back to my job at Chorus in Calgary and did social media stuff for them. Thankfully, like my boss was awesome. As soon as I went and saw her, she was like, oh my God, yeah, come back to our team. But yeah, it's tough. It was, it, and I know people that have also done that and they have a hard time too. Like, and so that's why it's nice to like give off that experience of like, it's okay to quit a job if you have nothing lined up. That is okay. It's okay if, if you are not happy, you should not stay in that job. Yeah, I think especially what you said at the beginning, kind of routine and stability. If you break that, that probably was also very difficult on yourself. Never mind people or colleagues saying, you know, why are you doing that and questioning? That's a lot of pressure. Um, I'm sure that affected mental health, which we will get into. But talk to me about the next role. Was this then when you went into the Vancouver Canucks? So, yeah. So then I went back to Calgary, did a little bit of promotions, that kind of stuff with them just for a summer mm-hmm. um, back here. And then while I was doing that, I got offered the job in Vancouver that I had applied for, um, which was awesome. It was so t- tell me about the journey, I guess. I know you said you yeah. applied there, but tell me about the journey of actually getting that role from going from I quit my job. Then you did a bit of social media to yeah. I guess, tie yourself over till you found something. You then reignited getting passionate again. You obviously got your confidence back in some way. You then landed this job, which may have been out of nowhere. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I was almost in a state of panic for a little bit because, and I almost went back into news. I had gone and met with a guy at um, seven, I think it was seven, no, not 770, one of the news stations here in Calgary. And he had offered me a job back in news. And I was essentially like, okay, I'm, I can do this. I can get a job right back and be right back in it with a different station, see how that goes kind of thing. Um, but my parents were like, why would you do that? Why would you you get so much anxiety now from doing that stuff. Like, why would you ever go back into that kind of role? And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that's true. But I was still applying, still looking at those kind of jobs. I'd applied everywhere once again. Like I was willing to move. I was willing to go wherever. I'd applied for a lot of reporting positions. Um, but hesitantly, like I was like, why am I throwing myself back into this? Um, so then the Canucks offer this program. It's called the Top Top Prospects Internship. And so... Um, it was the first year they've ever run it. They've done internships before, but this is the first time they did this program. And I stumbled upon it. I think I was just looking at the Canucks website and I saw it and I was like, oh, like applications are still open. Like I should just put my name in for it. Um, and so 21 people get a role. So out of, I think they said there was like 500 people that apply, let's say. So it was like pretty limited. And so I was like, okay, the odds of I get it are pretty slim. And so there's a person per department. So I applied for the game press department, the social media department, and one other one that I can't remember. But you can apply for three different ones. And then you go through, sorry, I got the call for an interview or an email for an interview. And I freaked out. Like I was like, oh my God, if I could work for the Canucks, like I'm also a Canucks fan, which I'm, I was, oh I was, wait, I shouldn't actually say that on this podcast, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to ask, maybe we should, I can beep that out. But yeah, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll see. Um, everyone knows that I'm a Canucks fan, but I work for the Flames. Also, I'm a Flames fan just for that reason. Um, but anyways, so I, yeah, so I got the call to do a first interview. Um, it was with just HR, pretty standard interviews that you do with HR, went through that process. And then they were kind of like, okay, we decide what department you're best suited for and we will um then you'll do an interview if you make it through with that department out of one of your three choices so I was like okay so I waited a bit and I just got so stressed I was like oh my god I want this so bad like all of a sudden I was like 
what do I do if I don't get this? Like I want it so, so bad. So at the same time, I'd also applied for another job as a sports reporter in Lloyd Minster. And if you know where Lloyd Minster is. <laughs> yeah, you should have gone for that. That's a better opportunity, yeah. I think. So let's just keep that in the back of our minds that I'd applied for that job as well. Got an interview for that one. That one, the interview was a, while, a ways away. So then I heard back on my second interview and they said, you have an interview with the game press department. So I interviewed with my then boss, um, Jason and Steven. And um, the interview went really well, but it was also like 40 degrees in Calgary at that point. I was sweating so much during this interview. Like I was <laughs> freaking out. It was over Zoom, obviously. Everyone else had to go in and do group interviews. But because I was in Alberta, I had to do it over Zoom. Um, I felt like it went relatively well. But I like. Did you feel better that it was over Zoom? Yes. Because you probably weren't as nervous. Yeah. You, you know, you can f kind of feel some comfort that you're not in the same I hate room. Group interviews. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because then, what if someone steals your answer right before you answer? Oh yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, I agree with them," and then you don't sound really cool. So that's yeah. I hate that stuff. But anyway, so I did their interview. Thought it went pretty well. I was like relatively confident, so I was like, I could get this. Um, but I wasn't sure because like you never know who you're up against, right? Um. So I hadn't heard back for a while. I was working a job um, for Chorus at the time. And I just remember calling my parents and being like, what, like, I need to like follow up with them. I need to like check in. I need to do something because I need to know what's going on. I think around that day I had gotten the call saying I got the job in Lloyd Minster as a sports reporter. And so I had a phone call with the woman who, I can't remember her name right now, but she's like amazing. Like she was one of the nicest people I've ever met over phone. And she had offered me the job and I pretty much was like, I'm going to be so honest with you. I have applied for a job with the Canucks and I have to prioritize them. And so if you need to hire somebody else for this job, I completely understand. Um, and she was pretty much like, we only want you and we're going to hold this job for you and let me know what happens with the Canucks. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, and we'll give you more money. <laughs> I was like, She's like, and what else do you need? And I'm like, oh my God. And so then I was like, what do I do? Do I just take it? Cause it's an awesome offer. I'd be sports reporting exactly what I want to do. Um, that was tough for me. Like I was like, oh my God. Cause what if I also don't get this internship and then I'm stuck with nothing. Like I don't want to give it up kind of thing. So I pretty much was like, listen, I can't say yes to this. I have to go for this one, put all my eggs in this basket. She's like, okay, fair enough. I'm going to hold it for you and just let me know. And I was like, okay, that's ideal situation because now I have a backup but um I went home for like a week and I remember I woke up in the morning and I had an email from the Canucks and it was like you'd gotten the job I ran upstairs and just screamed and it was just my dad home and we were both like jumping up and down like I was like this is the dream like this is amazing and then HR had called me and they were like telling me everything about the job blah 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 and I was like Oh my God. I literally didn't know what I was going to be doing with Canucks. Not a thing. <laughs> I thought I was going to be like tossing the t-shirts into the crowd. I thought that was my job and I was stoked and that wasn't my job, but that's what I thought it was. And I was like, perfect. I don't even care. Like just get me in the building. That's amazing on the route. That's perfect. And you hear about all these people that do internships with these big teams. They go on to do something at least, you know, like mm -hmm. it's a great start. So then, and having coming, having come from what I'd gone through in Prince George, I was just like, so grateful to just be on a good path again like the relief I felt was insane so then went back to Calgary quit my job told Lloyd Minster I wasn't going to be coming how did I want to know what that was like how did that feel telling them that yeah. I 
amazing. Like I felt bad for Lloyd Minster. Cause I was like, that's a really cool opportunity too. And like whoever got it is probably doing a great job right now, but it's just, I was like, Oh my God, I didn't realize how badly I didn't want to move to another small town. Like I was just like, what was I doing as soon as I got this? So that was, yeah, that was really cool getting the job. Sweet. But yeah. the, how did the lady take it from Lloyd Minster? She was great, honestly. And, you know, I know so many people that know her from working up at Lloyd Minster. Um, and they just rave about her. Like, she was one of the sweetest people to ever deal with. And I was, like, so grateful for her for being so kind to me. Well, I'm glad I'm glad she, she figured it out. But yeah. you weren't obviously tossing T-shirts into the crowd. So tell me what you were doing at the Canucks. Yeah, it was it's so funny. Like, I still laugh myself for even just doing all that, not knowing what the heck I was going to be doing with the Canucks. Um, so it was game presentation. Um, so essentially you're in charge of everything that's in the bowl for entertainment besides the hockey. So you're in charge of the people that toss the T-shirts. You're... Um, in charge of hiring the anthem singers, the bands that perform at intermissions, um, everything you can imagine that happens in that bowl, even like partnership activations, you're in charge of like helping them plan how those happen. Um, anything that plays on the board. So any funny videos that happen, the music that plays you help with that, like everything. So it was really, really cool. Um, I fell in love with the work I was doing with the Canucks. Like, I thought I wanted to be on camera so bad and then doing it with them like behind the scenes was really, really cool. Like seeing a whole nother stream that I could go down. I was like, I didn't know this existed. And so when I started that a couple months in, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And they essentially once my internship, so it was an eight month internship, um, which I highly advise anybody who wants to work in sports or even, like they have roles for everything. So even at like BI or um, digital, like all that kind of stuff, you can apply for all these different positions. It's such a great internship program. You don't get paid a lot, but it's such good experience. And for a lot of people, it does lead to a job, um, which is really cool. And for me, it was supposed to, but COVID hit right at the end of my internship. So that is another story. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually kind of my next question leading into COVID, obviously a very challenging time. You've you're pretty much on this high from going to the Canucks and doing your internship and feeling like at the end of this, potentially I can get a career and, and start that and kick that off. Now you had kind of, I guess, a small career gap. I know you worked at Lululemon for a bit of it and then uh, Northern Be Beverages, I believe. But tell me about the experience of that kind of being outside of your career, probably feeling lost again before you get into the role that you're in now. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was, I mean, COVID was weird for absolutely everybody. And I mean, I'm grateful for the position I was in. I was able to go on CERB for a while um, because it was so unknown whether we would be getting back to work. So my boss essentially was like, you'll have a job when we restart. Like, we'll hire you on because um, your internship's done. So we all got let go right at the end of our internship when everybody got let go from the Canucks. Um, but COVID just kept going and going and going. So I, it'd be like one month being like, okay, Next month, we're going to get stuff going. Okay, next month. And so that went on for eight months of me just sitting there. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm going crazy. Um, so I didn't have much to do. I was really bored. And, like, Serb is great, but living in downtown Vancouver, I'm like, can't quite live like this. Um, so I eventually went out and got a job. I, I worked a little bit with um, 
the Canucks on and off doing some, they had like a food service thing going. So I kind of helped them with that for a little while. Got a job with Lululemon. It was a three month contract for their busy season over the holidays, um, which was great. It was a really cool experience. I'd never worked retail before. So that was new to me. Uh, learned how to fold my clothes really well. Um, and spent all my paycheck on Lululemon. So now I have like 50 pairs of leggings, but it was, it was cool for three months. It was great to do that. And then once, once that contract was over, um, I got a job in marketing with North End Beverages. So that's Hey Y'all, Whistler Brewing, Bowen Island Brewing, Pure Vodka Sodas, Lone Tree Ciders, and, um, there's another one. So you, Balderdash. when you were at Lulu, you bought all the leggings. When you were at the beverage company, did you just drink the whole time? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, you'd like show up to work and they're like, Hey, we're going to do a tasting. And you're like, Oh God, here we go. And I'm like such a lightweight. So by 10 AM you're like, okay, I'm going to need lunch. Cause I need to be able to focus. Um, it was really fun. I worked with a really good group of people, um, which definitely helped. Um, made a really close friend at work too, which kind of helps you get through the days. Um, but it was not for me. Nine to five job sitting at a desk was not what I was born to do. And I'm so glad I did it to learn that that's not what I'm supposed to do because I had never done a nine to five sit at a desk Monday to Friday job. So this was really cool to just like see it firsthand, do it. And then I was like, okay, I wasn't born to do this. Filling out Excel sheets is not what I was born to do. No, I think that's clear now. Yeah. Um, for COVID, like how did that impact you? Obviously it impacted a lot of people, but I'm more focused on the the work side and the decisions that you made in your career. And obviously you did move into the role that you're into now, but how did that kind of feel for you while you were in that limbo stage of not knowing if you were going to be able to get back in that career again? I really struggled with it. I genuinely felt like heartbreak like I felt like I had just gone through a breakup when I realized that like I wasn't able to get it back right back into sports, like with it not starting up again and stuff. And so I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I genuinely, because I loved my job so much at the Canucks that I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I started applying everywhere possible. But at that point, once sports started starting up again, everything was taken by the time, cause I had another job, everything was taken by the time. I started applying. So I was like, oh my gosh, I screwed myself. And it was just let down after let down after let down. So um, I can't even think about what year that would have been like 2021, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Summer of 2021 where I just like, I was defeated. I was just like, do I give, I genuinely was like, do I move to Australia for a while and like, you know, surf and hang out or do some backpacking or just like take off? Cause I just at that point, wasn't enjoying my life in Vancouver, like what I was doing for work. Um, and so I was just like, what do I do? Um, I did have a boyfriend at the time in Vancouver too. So I was like, I can't really just take off. But at the same time, I'm the kind of person that does just take off. Uh-oh. <laughs> Red flag. Uh-oh. There's another one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I struggled and I just like, I was applying to absolutely everything. And then I had applied to this job in Calgary as a TV host I was like, oh, that can't be what it seems. Like, it can't be that good. I'd applied, didn't hear anything back, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then I got a call. I was sitting at work at my desk at like 9.30 in the morning, and I, my phone lights up with Calgary Sports and Entertainment. And I was like, why would Calgary Sports and Entertainment be calling me? Because I'd forgotten that I had even applied for the job. 
And so I like kind of step outside and I was like, hello. And they're just kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, are you free to do an interview right now? And I'm like, sure, I'm, I'm at work. But like on immediately, immediately, just over the phone. And I was like, OK, and they're like, it's just like with HR, like, blah, blah, blah. So it was like the quick and easy questions, that kind of stuff, just about the job. And they kind of filled me in. Um, shout out Adam McPherson, who did my interview with HR. Um, he's actually leaving CSEC now, which sucks because he's great at his job. But he, so he did the interview with me and then um, he was kind of like, awesome. Like pretty much we are passing you on to the second round. So you'll have another interview um, with the head of digital um, coming up. So we did that, like, I think it was like a week later. It was right around Thanksgiving. And I ended up doing the interview with the head of social, who is now my boss, Ty. And he, we did a Zoom call. Interview went pretty well, but I was just kind of like, I have no idea. And at this point, so yes, I have a boyfriend in Vancouver. I have a full-time job in Vancouver. I have an apartment in Vancouver. And so I'm like, if I get this job, like I did all this without being like, okay, so I have to move to Calgary if I get this job. And at this point I had applied to so many jobs. Like I'd gone through a process with the LA Kings at this point where it went to a couple rounds, but I couldn't get a visa. Like I'd been to this point with so many jobs that like my boyfriend and my family are kind of like, I don't know if this is really going to happen. Like they're kind of like, Oh yeah, do the process, like whatever. But at this point, and after hearing what the job entailed, I was like, if I get this job, like my career is started, like I'm doing this. So then we go on Thanksgiving break after I'd done the interview, I go home for Thanksgiving and Ty, the guy who had interviewed calls me and he's kind of like, Hey, or emailed me, I guess. And he's like, Hey, it's Thanksgiving. So I won't be able to get back to you for a couple of days because of the holiday. Um, but I'll let you know. He ended up calling me like the next day being like, okay, we actually can't wait. Can we sign the papers? Like, can we get you out here in two weeks? And I'm like, okay, sure. Like, I guess so. And so I like, I was at work when I got the call and I was like, yeah, I guess like, yeah, I'll accept the job. And so then I like hung up, called my parents and I was like, I'm, I'm moving to Calgary. And they were like, again, okay. Um, <laughs> well, we've got U-Haul on speed dial at this point. So we'll just dial them up. And I instantly, my parents were like, well, call your boyfriend. <laughs> Let him know that you're leaving the how province. Did, how did that go? Um, not great. So we're, I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah, it didn't go great because, and it's my fault. Like, I'm just the kind of person who, I, I wouldn't even call myself spontaneous necessarily. But <laughs> like, pretty spontaneous. I, I tend to run away from my problems is probably the bigger, the bigger red flag. Yeah. Um, so in my head, I was like, I'm just going to take off. And then I thought about maybe like selfish, you could call it. But it was just like, I was thinking about my career and my career only. Like, that was just like the only thing I could see at that point. And I was like, that's the only thing I want. Like I had been so heartbroken that getting this was like, I don't care what's in my way. I have to go do it. And so I just, I literally that day went home, packed my bags, wrote my two weeks notice, went in the next day, handed to my, my coworkers at um, my marketing job were so nice about it. Like they were just in full support, like right away, like you're going to kill it. Like good luck in Calgary. My, like one of the bosses there was like handing me these flames cards that he's been holding on to for a long time. And like a golf ball with the flame symbol on it and all this stuff. Like they were so kind to me about moving on and which was like, I was so anxious about it because I had only been at the job for like seven months. So I was like, didn't even put a full year in here and you guys are like so supportive of me. So that was really cool. Um, did your ex-boyfriend give you any gifts? Um, no, <laughs> no Calgary flames cards for you. No, we, and we even, we stayed together. Um, who knows? He'll probably listen to this, but, uh, we stayed together, gave it a shot while I did like the distance, which I, and I wanted to, like at that point I was like, 
I don't want to break up. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to continue this relationship. He'd become one of my best friends. Cause we started dating during COVID too. So it was like, he was one of my closest friends at that point. And so we, we stuck together. Um, I packed up all my stuff in two weeks, moved out here like really quick. My dad packed up the U-Haul. He drove out. I drove behind him. Um, came out first day I got here, went to a flames game with my new boss and then just kind of got going. And then my then boyfriend like came out, stayed with me for a week and we kind of just like talked it over. It took a while. We ended up breaking up quite a while after that, but it was just, I was like, I, I would just want to focus on my career. And I was like, you know, I'm very bad at texting, mm-hmm. um, which didn't help the relationship, especially long distance. Um, and because I was so busy and so focused, I was just like, I, that's all I could see was my career. So, yeah, I think, you know, I would like to say everyone, but not everyone would do it that way, but it's hard, especially if you've had this goal for so long, you've gone through COVID, you've still got that fire clearly to find this and then you find it. Decisions have to be made, right? You may have been able to meet in the middle and do long distance or make it work. You may not. And and evidently that didn't work out, which is a shame. But tell us about your role now. So obviously there's a lot to your role. It's super exciting. People see you on the screens and and always, always with the mic in your hand. But tell us about kind of that story of of the work that you do. Yes. So I was originally hired on as the uh, TV host slash digital producer is the longest title I've ever. I honestly don't even know my entire title because it's so long. So I just go by TV host. But I also do digital producing a lot of the time, too. So I um, got hired on with the Roughnecks and the Hitmen. So the WHL team and the NLL team. Um, I got kind of hired in um, mid-season for the Hitmen. So I kind of just got thrown into it, um, which wasn't a bad thing. It It was pretty straightforward. Um, it was tough because I was the woman who had had my role before me had it quite figured out. She had been there for a really long time. So it was up to me to kind of like reinvent the role and kind of do it how I wanted to do it, which was really cool. They gave me a lot of freedom with that kind of stuff. They were like, however you want to do it, do it like just reinvent it. So I was like, okay. Um, and then the roughneck season started and it was tough just coming into a new team, not knowing the guys on the team, not knowing the coaches, not knowing the staff, like even the head coach of the Roughnecks will tell you like right away, he didn't trust me. Like he was like, I'm not going to give her information. I'm not going to like, which fair enough. Like I'm new to the team. I could be some reporter that, so that was like a little news flash for me. Like I was like, okay, I actually have to like earn my trust on these teams. Um, how did, how did you build that trust? Respect, like just, um, knowing your boundaries of like what to say and what not to say when to ask questions and when not to ask questions. Like you see, I'm surrounded by so much other media as well that do push the buttons and do kind of push those limits. But like, um, I try not to, to a degree, like there's moments that you will, but I just, I want to show so much respect, especially to those coaches that like are welcoming me in. So that's one of my biggest things I'd say with these teams is just earning everybody's respect. And like, as a woman in this industry, like I, that is part of it as well. Just like, earning everybody's respect and like showing them that I can do this job and that I can be trusted and I can like all that. So it's one of the things just, and that kind of just takes time essentially for a man or a woman in these roles. It's just like, um, getting to know everybody. And so I've built very, very good friendships with even just like all the guys on the teams. Like I love all the people on both of our teams. I would die for them. Like they're so awesome and they treat me so well. Um, this is my second season, but so 
This year I switched. I gave up the Hitman this year. Um, and so I'm with the Wranglers, our new AHL team. Well, new, but um, who just moved to Calgary at the beginning of the season. So I took them over and I had to give up a team. So I had to give up the Hitman. So I'm Roughnecks and Wranglers as well as sometimes I help with St. Peter's. Sometimes I help with Flames. Sometimes I help with the Hitman. I'm just kind of... You like the all fun the chaser place. all over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can call I it that. I do chase fun. So. There you go. Exactly. You go. That's the new title. Um, I know you recently attended the AHL All-Stars. Yes. That looked like an amazing experience. Obviously saw you on screen again. Talk to me about that that experience that you had. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So this year is my first year being able to travel with the team, mostly because of COVID. So last year we just didn't really get to do very much. I just did one trip to Vancouver with the Roughnecks. Um, this year I've been able to travel a lot more, which has been awesome just getting a lot more good content with the team and just getting a lot closer with all the guys and just being able to tell more stories because of that. Um, so yeah, just went to the AHL all-star weekend, which was really, really cool. Um, it was one of the best events I've honestly been to. It was so well put on by Laval. Um, the arena was really great. Just all the teams that were there. I bonded a lot with the head of socials for each of the teams, which was really neat. So we kind of just like made our own little friend group while we were there um, I got to go with two of our players and our head coach. I got a lot of, lot of more time spent with them, which was really cool because when you're with the team, you don't get a lot of like one-on-one -on -one time with people other than when you're interviewing them. So to just get to know those guys a little bit more, which was really cool. And they're like our two star guys and our head coach, obviously. So, and they're really, really nice people. So it was good people to have at that tournament as well. It looked amazing. I think the visuals that you were showing before the game and you were saying that's your favorite part at the start. Yes. I think it literally was amazing. <laughs> like I was looking at that and I was like, that's that's really cool. I, I think, get goosebumps every time I watch beginnings of hockey games and yeah. Roughnecks games. Yeah, I wish they'd do them for longer, but it seems to be over yeah. in 10 seconds and then you're singing the national anthem, <laughs> yeah. but there you go. Um, I was going to ask, what was your favorite experience that you've probably been through with, um, I guess, CSEG specifically? Was it that all-star event or is there a different one that stands out to you? That one right now is just really standing out to me because I guess it was so recent and it was one of the bigger productions that was put on, I would say. Just so much effort put into it. Um, honestly, one of my favorite ones was I did preseason with the Flames. We got to go to Vancouver, so I got to fly like with the team, have like all the food on the plane, which is really cool. Like fly like I was part of the team um, and just get the whole experience that way. Got to interview the guys. Um, and kind of go back to my home base at Rogers Arena, which was also cool. See my old bosses, all that kind of stuff. Um, that one definitely stands out in my mind just because the Flames are so elite, like the way they travel, the way they're looked at when you walk down the street. Like it's so, it was a bit more eye-opening, I would say. And now you're back on WestJet and yeah. economy. So. <laughs> yeah, there's just no leg room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, living it once yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, what was your most memorable interview? Was there someone specific that, that you've had an interview with that you just felt that was a really great interviewer you felt honored to interview? Um, I've honestly had a couple of them just with, even just like getting to do a couple of the Flames one. Flames ones um, with the team has been pretty awesome. Um, one of the ones that sticks out to me was actually when I was with the Canucks. It was um, Women in Sports Day. Um, Cami Granado, I believe it was. Um, she is amazing. Like, just so cool to speak with. She is. She was a scout for a bit too in the NHL, and she's um, she's with the Canucks now in a higher role, and she's like amazing like so well spoken and I just like I remember speaking to her and I was just so nervous like I was shaking the mm -hmm. entire time so I was, like, and it was one of my first like 
celebrity interviews that I ever got to do. So that one sticks out very heavily in my mind. That probably leads a little bit into my next question about confidence. Now you've had quite a few setbacks. It's been a bit of a roller coaster to get to where you are. How have you built your confidence? I'm probably specifically talking about being on camera, being behind the microphone, talking, you know, I've seen you at the red lot, things like that. It's not easy to do. And there's still probably times where you get nervous and you have to hype yourself up before you get on. How have you built that up? Yeah. And speaking of red lot is actually also probably one of my favorite events that I've ever done. Red lot was so awesome hosting that. Um, confidence wise, I still get so nervous. Um, the worst is like when I'm at Roughnecks games and before I walk out onto the turf to do interviews, I think it's partially adrenaline from the game, but my knees will shake so hard that I have to like hold my knees. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I can't stop shaking. And like all like the trainers on the bench are like, okay, is she good? Cause I'm like, just like, you know, every time people see you on TV now, when they hear this, they're going to stare at your <laughs> stare knees, at knees and go, look, someone's going to zoom in on a TikTok and, shaking and knees. cut this together. I can see that now. Yeah. That's like, the thing is that being nervous never goes away because nerves to me is excitement sure. and I'll, I'm never not excited. And just like the adrenaline of sports does that to you as well. But, um, confidence came with I noticed it more I used to write out every single question word for word that I was going to ask or like things that I was going to say word for word now I don't which was like a huge change for me because I remember people who ever gave me advice were like don't memorize things like just do bullet points of what you want to talk about go off that and I was like oh my god I'll never be able to do that like I have to memorize everything and then I slowly kind of just got to a point where I was like freestyling things and I was like oh wait that actually went kind of well I should probably do that more often because it's so much more authentic when you're not memorizing your questions or like even you for like interviewing on podcasts it's like when you're constantly just thinking about the next question you're not listening to what the person's saying and then you might miss a really important question that comes out of one of their answers and so it's for me I try to do that a little bit more which does sometimes cause me to forget my next question <laughs> yeah but Sometimes that's fine. Like, and I, I still stumble over words. I still say really stupid things. Like I was doing an interview this weekend with one of our head coaches and I meant to say motto, but I was thinking of motivation in my head and I said moto and then I just kept going and I was like, whatever. And he just ignored it. And I was like, moto is not a word. <laughs> it doesn't, I think, I, I mean, I it's a word, can, but like, you know? Yeah. I think if you interview me, I'd just catch on. I, I might giggle a little bit or yeah. see if your knees are shaking, but yeah. Like what, you just, I'm... you build it up. It's honestly just reps. Like it's with anything. It's with any sport. Like it's just practice. And I still have so much to improve on, but hopefully that kind of just comes with time. <laughs> yeah. I think it does. It's, it's like anything. It's like sports. The, yeah. These guys have been good at sports because they've put in the work and yeah. the repetition the muscle memory and it's the same with your interviews right yeah. when you're on camera you forget the cameras or the headphones are on or the mics are going it becomes very natural and people worry about that but you're always going to have nerves because you're excited and you got yeah. that fire in your belly but um you do, you're doing a great job and i know i know people <laughs> have said that before so um i want to talk about kind of women in sports you you're clearly passionate about it and you it feels like you spread that message quite well on tiktok and, and social media but <laughs> Talk to me about that. Why are you so passionate about women in sports? I think just because I am one, but also just like looking up to them. Like, like I said, I going to that speech with Ivanka Osmak when I was in university and listening to her talk and like listening to the criticism she's gotten and like talking about how 
if she fumbled somebody's name or mispronounced an athlete's name, like you are getting roasted 10 times more than any man will because as soon as you stumble one name, your credibility is lost. A guy stumbles a name, it's like, oh, okay. Make fun of him for a second and then it's like, move on. But it's like, your credibility can be taken away so fast because they believe you don't, from the get-go, they believe you know nothing about sports. So it's like, I can still remember to this day going home when I was working with the Canucks and going home to one of my, like a bar in Kamloops. And this guy I know came up to me and he was like, oh, you work for the team now. So like, name five players on the Canucks. And I was like, okay, well, I could list you the whole team, but I'm literally not giving you one. Because why would I? Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with me working for the team? Yeah. Why does that, even if I didn't know them, if I didn't know one single player, like who cares? And it's, you wouldn't, you would never go up to a guy and ask him that because right away you're going to assume that he knows everything about that team. He knows when that guy was drafted. He knows everything about them. Whereas like from the get go, it's just assumed, not everyone to be fair, but like it's mainly assumed that women just don't know stuff about sports. And so it's like, I was raised an athlete. And what's funny is in my household, it's me and my mom who watch the Canucks. It's me and my mom who watch hockey. We'll sit down and watch a game. My dad and my brother will watch every once in a while, but they're not big hockey fans. My dad's more of a basketball fan, but like it's me and my mom, which is like not the norm in a household, but like we're the bigger fans. Do you still feel the pressure? You mentioned, you know, you kind of looked at a little bit differently or judged at the beginning as a woman. Do you still feel that day to day or is it now you've built up that respect and you feel like it's gone or is it just still there? It's, it, it's better. Um, and that's why I feel like it's weird. Cause I feel almost stupid pushing it when it's like the women before me had a way harder time. Like, I feel like it's grown a lot. There's still a lot of growth to go. Um, there are certain situations. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, it's very clear. I'm still where it's where things are based around your looks or, um, just not based on your sports knowledge. So like, it's like when someone compliments you, it's, it's never like, oh, you're, you're so knowledgeable that like you, you did such a good job with that. It's always like, oh, you looked really nice on that, that broadcast or you sounded lovely or like whatever it is. And it's just like, okay, but like, what did you think about my question? Was it like in depth enough? Did I like get into it? Like blah, blah, blah. Like, and so then I put a lot of pressure on myself to like make those questions really good and like all that stuff. So I'm, I think the pressure's still there, but I think it has come a long way and it still has a long way to go. Yeah, I think that can be in a lot of industries, right? Yeah. And I think the pressure will remain for to a certain extent. And it's about, you know, you just performing the best you can. You, yeah. That's all you can do. You're always going to get critics as well. That's the industry you're in. But let's kind of segue into mental health. I know this is a big topic. Um, I like to include it in most of the podcasts, if not all. It's difficult to be vulnerable and talk about these topics, but it is something that I'm trying to encourage people to talk about a lot more. Now, Kind of tell me a little bit about your story. I believe, was it uh, Prince George? You had a bit of a challenge there. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, that was honestly the first time I've ever experienced like full on anxiety. Like I didn't, I never really understood what it was. And this day and age, I feel like you just hear about anxiety a lot. So I never really understood what it was. I always just compared it to like, I'm a very like stressed person. Like I feel like I wear my stress. And so I get stressed out very easily. And so I always just thought that's what it was. Like I was just kind of like, okay, I'm stressed. But when it came to that point, like having such a hard boss and just not being happy with my life up in Prince George, 
I hit such a rock bottom up there that it was like, I was calling my parents every single day after work, bawling my eyes out. Like, which is so funny because it's like you say, like, but from what you see on Instagram, what you see from posts, like people look so happy. And like, my friends are like, Oh, you look like you're having a great time up there. Like, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's so awesome. Like love being on TV. I was crying every single night, just calling my parents. My parents are like, I got to a point where my parents are like, this is not okay. Like you have to quit your job. Like you're getting to a point where it's so unhealthy. And like, so I deal with stress in my body, like in such a weird way. So I like broke out in like canker sores. I had like eight all along my lip, which is like so weird. Went to a doctor, couldn't figure out what it was. My stomach was in shambles for like months. And they were like, we can't figure out what it was. They did so many different tests on me. They were testing me for absolutely everything because like my body was just shutting down like in every single way. I was just like, my skin was bad. Like every part of me was just falling apart. They were like, we have no idea what's going on. And it wasn't until I had left Prince George and had spoken to people. They were like, it's stress. It's anxiety. It's stress. It's like, it can push you to such a point. I didn't realize what stress could do to someone's body like that. Like it was so weird to realize like I just thought I was like I'm missing something in my diet or but I was like such a healthy eater I worked out every single day I like did every possible thing to try to fix what was going on with me and nothing would fix until I left Prince George not even kidding you like two weeks after leaving my body just like reset everything was fully back to normal I started just doing hot yoga every day my body just fully reset I just like I looked healthier. I felt healthier. And like, so that was one of my biggest takeaways was like, stress has so much bigger of an impact on our bodies than we will ever realize. How did that impact your, I guess, life and career? But obviously you said it flushed out. I presume you still probably have waves. Um, But how did that kind of impact all of that journey? Yeah, one of the biggest things was, so... I had such issues with like being anxious and stuff to the point where my boss would email me and I would get so stressed out about seeing an email notification that after I left that job, anytime I had an email notification, I would freak out. Like I would instantly, my heart would start racing. My stomach would drop just having an email notification or like a text notification because he used to text me and get mad at me. Like it was like any notification I would freak out. And so like, it took a very long time for me to like reset that. And one of the biggest things was therapy, of course, that it was a weird one for me because both my dad and my brother are counselors. So I never went to therapy. It was never a thing in my family to go. Um, I had been suggested it once for grief counseling back in university. Never ended up going. I walked all the way up to the door and never ended up going and walked away. Cause I was like, I don't think I have big enough issues. Like I, and I even said this to the first time I ever went to therapy. I was like, I don't know that I should be here. Like I don't have a lot of the problems that like I think therapy should be for. And she was like, that's not what therapy's for. Like, she's like, if you are just anxious, that's perfect that you're here. Like, let's talk about that. Like let's. And so on my first day of therapy, I like ran her through my whole story and just like dove deep into all this stuff and bawled my eyes out. And I felt like an idiot for crying in therapy. And she was like, no, this is perfect. Like, and she was an awesome therapist like that I had found in Vancouver and started going to her as often as I could. And my God, like how much could I recommend therapy to absolutely everybody is just, it was life changing. Like it was just 
And even if it's just someone to talk to who's unbiased, like I've told my parents, my parents know everything about my life, but like to talk to somebody who can't like give you a parent's perspective, like it's so, it just, yeah, it was a completely different thing. It and not a friend's perspective. So it was just, it was, it was definitely life-changing. Yeah. I think a lot of people listen to this understanding how challenging it is. Yeah. A lot of people either will try and go to therapy and get to that door and walk away and feel they don't need it. Especially when you're in that zone of asking yourself, why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? This isn't that bad. And then actually doing it is a different story, right? It's still challenging. You obviously went into the room and some people do just give all the information. I'm away. a crier. I cry at everything. So I was prepared to cry. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's the other sign. I think honestly, men particularly would find it very hard to go in the room and even talk about anything unless they get asked questions. And it's a hard place to be in, to be vulnerable, but clearly and, and is evident to a lot of people. It, it does really help by getting through those, those challenges. Yeah. hundred percent. I recommend it to absolutely everybody. Even, even if you don't think you need it, if you can't afford it, there's ways around it. There's, um, ways to pay for it. There's cheaper ones that you can do. If you can't afford it, there's hopefully you have benefits that can cover it. Like just try one session. That's my biggest thing. Like do one mm -hmm. and just see how that goes. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Do you still use therapy right now? Um, yes, I was doing it. I haven't gone in like a month, but uh oh, she better not be listening yeah, to this. <laughs> I realized I realized I was going on a podcast, so this is my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, exactly. I hope so. Um, I guess in the industry, I'm referring it back to work now. Has that negatively impacted your mental health? Obviously, that was that time in Prince George. Has anything else caused that? Obviously, the pressure of being a woman in sports, being on camera. Is there anything else that potentially has triggered your anxiety? Yeah, there's definitely stuff. I I'm also just a very emotional person, so I like I said, like I cried everything. There's a there's a puppy on a commercial. I'm probably crying. Like, I I can be super emotional, but also like, there's what they talk about in the sports industry is like postseason depression. Like you go through, it's such a weird thing. And last year was the first year I really experienced it. I mean, a bit with the Canucks, but really mainly last year where like you go through such highs of a season. So I'm in such a high right now. Like both teams are playing. We're doing well. You're going to these games. You're getting these adrenaline rushes. You're like flying through this. Days are flying by. Like, like I told you, I don't know what day of the week it is. Like I never know what day of the week it is. Um, your months are flying by like all this stuff. You're doing exciting things. There's always something to look forward to. As soon as like, I remember last year standing in the red law on the stage when the flames lost that game and I just remember like, I was just standing there and I was like, oh my God, what, do, what am I doing now? Like, what do I do for the summer? Like, I'm still employed. I'm still working. I still have a job. But I was just like, oh my God, there's no sports. I have no games to go to tomorrow. Like, this is so weird. And it just hit me so fast. And I was like, holy. And then, which is fine, but then you carry on and through the summer and you're kind of like bored. Like, there's still stuff to do. You're still going to your job. But I felt in such a low. Like, I... And that's when I started picking up therapy again. Like I just started going a bunch because I was like, I can't get out of this. I feel like there's a gray cloud hanging over my head. Like I felt so low. But then once I started and COVID was still like around, so you're doing a little bit of working from home and all that stuff. And so I, I struggled with that. Like, and I tend to isolate myself a lot, which is something I try to work on. It's the things that I've learned in therapy. <laughs> um, I'm yeah I isolate myself a, a lot and so I'll spend a lot of time by myself in my apartment and then is that a good thing no okay to a degree like it's nice so I'm an introverted extrovert 
And so I think the whole world is becoming that, honestly. Yes, a hundred percent. COVID definitely did that to people. Yeah. And so it's like, but there's two types of people, people who like to, um, who gain energy by being around other people. So like going out, going to a coffee shop, being around people, seeing their friends, they regain their energy that way. I know a lot of my friends are that way. I regain my energy by being by myself, being alone for a while. So like, I'll do that. Like, so if I have a busy day at work or like work a couple games, I have to have a day by myself where I'm just like fully by myself. Like, even if it's like where I go out to the mall or do whatever, but I'm by myself, I'm not having conversations with people. That's how I reset. So like, I'll do that, but I can put myself in a bit of hole if I'm like that for too long. So once I started going back to work and like being in the office and being around people and just also hearing that they were also suffering with that, like just being like, I'm so sad right now. And it was like, it's because we were on such a high and then all of a sudden you're at the bottom and you're like, oh my God, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so the season starts up again and you're climbing this high again. And so then once the season ends, it's going to be like, oh my God. So you like, I have to find a way to level out a little bit more yeah. and like, find that middle ground so this is probably not healthy my way of doing it is just like booking trips so i'm like trying to book trips in the summer so that i'm like kate next thing i think that probably isn't the best thing to do because i don't think you can do that forever once again running away from my problems yeah we've seen that red flag that may be the title of the episode yeah um we're gonna talk about dating relationships but you kind of talked about being an introvert were you like that when you were in a relationship where you were introverted and you needed to be alone or yes. would you be okay with them? And, but you felt like you actually needed to be alone. I, I struggle in my last relationship struggled with that because I am that way. I have to like on a Sunday, I want to be by myself doing my laundry, getting ready for my week, like have like, you know, like your long shower and clean your bed sheets. So you like can cozy into your own bed by yourself. Like I have become extremely independent to a point where it's probably not healthy and that came from honestly like my backpacking trip and like living alone I love being by myself and so that did cause a bit of a struggle with my relationship just because it and it also just pointed out that we weren't right for each other because he was so the opposite way like he regained his energy by being around people so he always wanted to be around me and like on a Sunday night, if I had left his place in the morning, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do all my stuff. And he'd be like, okay, see you later. And it's like, no, I'll see you in like two days. And he's like, what? And I'm like, no, like I, I need my time to reset. I need this. But he was just the opposite. So it just like didn't work that way because he couldn't understand where I was coming from. He would be like offended that I didn't want to hang out with him. Whereas I was like, it's no offense at all. Like I love hanging out with you. I just need my space. So I need to find someone that like not necessarily is the same because it was nice having somebody who always did want to be around me and put that much work into trying to be around me, but who can accept my space, I guess. Could could you compromise or do you really think you would need someone that equally can just go off, do their own thing and it allows you to have that complete freedom of space? I could compromise, I think. I think too much freedom is also not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, that was what was nice about him is like, he would try so hard. And so I do need that effort. So I think it would be a little give and take. Like I have to, I also have to meet somebody in the middle. Like I know I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Something else she's me. working on yeah. in therapy. The other thing she's working on is to meet people in the middle, but it was like, and that's the other thing is like, I struggle with 
picturing myself ever moving in with somebody because I like my own space. I like my own bed. I like things the way I like things. And so I'm like, oh God. You need someone that will just move in with you, yeah. but be okay with but how okay everything with is. Yeah. And follow your routine <laughs> yeah. to the T. But uh, yeah. I'm so sure if there's not. anybody out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all like, no way am I involved. <laughs> But I was going to ask about, was there any, obviously you moved from Vancouver, you, that relationship ended, you went straight back into this job, you're on a high again, dating probably wasn't even on your mind, but you've come into the dating scene here. Has there been any challenges? I probably think you're in the public eye, really. Yes. Has there been any challenges that you've experienced there? Um, not necessarily with being in the public eye, but definitely just with my career, I find dating extremely hard. I don't have days off like it's rare that I have a day off so finding space to see people and do things is very difficult I can and I could put more effort maybe towards doing that um but I guess it's also me just like not really wanting to go through the whole dating pool again like when I like got out of my last relationship it was kind of just like okay I just want to be by myself and I'm happy about that I'm I'm definitely like ready to date again, but it has to be like the right person. I'm not going mm -hmm. through all of that again just to go through another breakup. So I'm like, I'm very, very picky. And my friends will absolutely laugh at that because I am the pickiest person when it comes to dating. Like my friend was trying to set me up with a guy to go for drinks. And I was like asking all these questions like da, 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 da. she's like oh my god just go for drinks like you don't have to marry the guy just mm -hmm. like talk to him and I'm like okay fine but I'm like I'm so specific and just I think because I just don't have time to waste like I don't yeah I don't have weekends I don't have a weekend off until the summer so I'm like I don't have I need someone who can just be very chill and manage me <laughs> As yeah. my mom would say. <laughs> yeah, she's going to laugh at this. My especially mom knows, at this part. My mom knows everything about my dating life. Like, she she will laugh at this because she knows absolutely every single person I've dated. She knows every single person I've been on a date with. She knows how that date went. Like, she knows everything. What's, and she knows how bad it is. What's her advice for you then? Okay. Oh, my God. Her advice is please settle down. When I was like, <laughs> yeah. when I was telling her, because like this summer, I want to go to Croatia with one of my friends. And she was like, Okay, but then after that, are you going to settle down? Like, when are you going to... And I was just like, never, but maybe someday. Is there any challenges... Obviously, you're in a, a largely male environment. Is there any cha challenges with dating and work? This is, I'd say, one of the main questions that, like, especially my friends will ask. The thing is, is, like, especially working in sports, you see people that'll date within their industry. It's, like, my number one rule not to. Like, I will not cross that line with work and dating within my industry because of what we talked about earlier, just like the respect of it. Like if I dated somebody on one of the teams or somebody that I worked with, it just, it's, that's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's going to end messy. It's not, it's not worth giving up what I have as a position. And so it's not like one of those things where it's like, Oh, hard rule. Like just, I just genuinely just don't want to like, yeah. it's just, and it also, I know the guys that I work with so well now that I'm like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, someone maybe one's listening yeah. to be like, yeah, sorry. damn, it's over. You're all great guys, but yeah. absolutely not. Well, maybe they've learned your red flags too. They won't Honestly, go anywhere near you. It now. probably is that way. They're probably like, I've never dated her. She's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> exactly. 
What's, um, I guess, overall, what's your kind of thoughts on the dating scene? I know you talked on it a little bit there of, you know, you don't really have time, you've not really, you don't really go or you're picky. What, what's your thoughts on it and how it's changed? I mean, it's so based on apps these days, which is so crazy. And like even my brother met his girlfriend. They've been together for a long time off a dating app, which is I think I'm so not against it. Like, I think it's a great way to meet people. And I think it's the way our generation does it. I am such a hopeless romantic. And so I want to meet that person, like touching the same apple at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. You stood in the grocery store on your own. Well, wow, I'm really dreaming. obsessed with grocery stores. Yeah, aren't I? <laughs> keep dreaming. I just like, I think my biggest thing is like when I meet couples, especially like parents, I always ask how they met. And like, my favorite thing is hearing the story. Like, one of my exes from a long time ago, his parents met because his dad got dared to go lick his now mom's elbow at a bar. And so he just went up and like licked her elbow and now they're married and have been married for so long. And I'm like, that is the cutest thing ever. And so I'm like, I just, even if it's at a bar, if it's at wherever it is, like I want to meet people authentically, but I also get that the dating apps is kind of just how it works these days. So I'm not like, opposed to that by any means um that's how I met my last ex was on a dating app and so it was like it somewhat worked obviously but I think it's changed in the way that it's hard to meet somebody authentically Mm -hmm. nobody comes up and like I rarely get anybody coming up to me and talking to me and like asking me on a date I don't remember the last time anybody's ever just like walk up and said like hey probably intimidating though that's what that's what i was saying about the kind of being in the public eye i think yeah. for a lot of people that's intimidating you think so? you sur- yeah i do honestly Am I scaring be- boys off <laughs> you're terrifying <laughs> i think also like i said the male environment you're surrounded by those people will presume i mean well, if you do approach someone you're at a high risk of getting declined getting <laughs> rejected you are whether you do even if someone has the confidence to do that i think now a lot of people think She's probably with someone. She's probably talking to someone because that typically is the dating scene. So I'm in. single. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like so to this, put that out there. This is, this is her promotion, but you do have to this lick her. This is my promotion You video. do have to lick you her elbow. You have to lick my elbow in the bar. <laughs> Somebody's going to come and do that now. I, um, I get that too just because when we go out, like we'll go out with a team sometimes like after a win or whatever, and I'm surrounded by a lot of males which really hurts my chances. So yeah. I really need to separate myself from that group when we're at the bars. Yeah. Um, but and that's I just told them, I was like, you guys got to have friends of friends of friends that you can introduce <laughs> yeah. me to. Do, well, do you, you said like you want someone to kind of come up to you. Yeah. Would you I, not do it to someone? I have, and I'm not scared of approaching people. Um, I would say like, I would never, I never, I'm a relatively nice person. So I'll never like strongly reject somebody. Like I never be like, it will go away. <laughs> I'll always have the conversation. I'll pretty much always, that's, I shouldn't say that. I'll pretty much always give me a, you my number, but like just out of being nice. <laughs> this is terrible. Right? That's a terrible thing to say. You, you reassured like, everyone. Yeah, but Just out of like being nice. Like I'm just like, oh, okay. They're probably wanting to be my friend. Like just, which is stupid, but it's true. And so it's like, I just, you know when you're like walking down a street and you see someone that's attractive and you're like, why do people never approach each other? Like, why is it that way these days? Again, I think reject. I think rejection, rejection. And, and choice. Yeah. I think those are the biggest thing. If you were walking down the street and you're going to think, what if this guy just has a girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. And okay, that is my first him. thought, probably. Yeah, like you would. Like, when was the last time you went up to someone in the street? <laughs> 
and said, hey, like, I, I you know, yeah, cute. Like, do you want to go for a, grab a drink or go for a coffee sometime? You, you, it's very rare. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't happen, because not only do you not do it, most people don't do it. Girls specifically don't do yeah. it. Yeah. And then it's up to guys. And then guys have a lack of confidence to, for yeah. a lot of guys because typically we think girls are in conversations with multiple people, which I hate to say that they probably are, but a lot of the time I am are. not. Yeah. I don't talk well, to anybody. Well, you're an introvert anybody. that stays at home <laughs> yeah. and does the laundry. We've learned I that. I don't text that. anybody back. I. That's the funny part is like, that was one of the things that my ex always would bring up. And he's, he when we were bringing up too, it was like, you're probably going to date so many people. You're probably going to blow I'm like, no. Like... And I think that is such, it is an assumption that like, we're, and some girls are talking to multiple people or one or two people, like whatever it is. But like, maybe it's just me. I just, I hate texting. So I'm like, I never have conversations with people. I'm never like, you can check out my phone any day of the week. Like there's nobody popping up on my phone, maybe DMs cause that's Instagram. But like, yeah, I just never really have like conversations with people. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Um, Let's get into the last question. I do ask this to pretty much every guest. So if your life was a book and you could title this a particular chapter in your life, what would you name it and why? You would name mine Red Flags. <laughs> <laughs> There's my book title. Is that every chapter? <laughs> <laughs> I would name this one something like god i can't think of a good name of it but it would be something along the lines of like just stop and like smell the roses essentially like one of my biggest things this year has just been like getting the chances to be on like tsn with um the roughnecks and stuff like i had a tsn meeting today where you're sitting with production people and um analysts and uh commentators and stuff and you're having these conversations and i just have to like pinch myself and i'm like this was something i would have dreamed of like I would have died to be in this position years ago or even just like a couple years ago and so I'm constantly trying to be like sit back and realize like how awesome this is and like my parents try to remind me of that a lot too which they're really good at just being like saying like we're really proud of you like think of what you've accomplished like look back at where you were in Prince George and how upset you were and how off track your life was and now like I'm so happy like I genuinely can say I love my job. Like I absolutely love it. And that is the one thing that absolutely keeps me in Calgary is how much I love my job. I have an awesome boss. I hope he listens to this. He makes fun of me all the time. He calls me a hot mess because I stroll in on my bike every day looking like a hot mess, just like a disaster of a life. But he's like, he knows that I'm super passionate about this job. And so he gives me so many opportunities and like, like the TSN stuff or even going to Laval for the AHL all-star stuff or going with the flames for preseason. Like, all those opportunities come because they gave it to me and because I worked hard for it. And I'm very, very grateful and very, very happy to be in the position that I am because I was not in this position two years ago. So yeah, I would just say like, stop and smell the roses. For sure. I think you've had an incredible journey. I want to say thanks so much for coming um, to share that. I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy this episode, but thanks for spending some time with me today. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. And might I add, this is our first time meeting, so that was pretty good for our first time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Multiple red flags. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to my guests for joining me and to you guys for listening. Next week, we'll meet a new guest to learn about their persona behind their social media account. If you want to ask a question on a future episode, go to our Instagram at Sonda Society Pod. 
where you can suggest topics and even nominate a guest you want to see on the show. If you enjoyed the show, please review us on Spotify and Apple and share with your friends to help build the society. Catch you next time.